0: Welcome to Fleet Baptist Church. We hope you enjoy the latest in our teaching series. Um, this morning, um, I want to um, talk a little bit about recognising the season you're in and not only recognising what season you're in, but living from that season rather than living from kind of an old season. Um, for just, just mainly for a while, now, I've just been fascinated being absolutely fascinated by the in-between times, should we call them. So like this Saturday between Good Friday and Easter Sunday, the, um, or the period of time between when David's anointed to be king by Samuel, and then all those years later when he actually was king, or even maybe uh, when Jesus uh, left the disciples, went up to heaven, and they had that nice period where they were waiting for Holy Spirit to come. I've been fascinated by those in-between times, what it felt like, what it was like to experience it. And as I've spent time dwelling on these in-between times and those times between seasons, both in the Bible, both personally, um, as we always do, don't we, and both probably globally and locally as church, I've become captivated by this one question, actually, which is how do you know when the new season has come? Like, actually, how do you know, though, that like, it's not just like we're no longer in the old, it's not that we're kind of in, we're still in the in-between, but actually that we're in a new season, once and for all. And to kind of talk about this this morning, I want to use our friend Thomas um, in John 20. Thanos, who's doing an incredible job at the back, is going to put it up on the screen for me. Um, and hopefully it will be there for you in the room and at home. Also, if you're at home, just know that you are part of the family. Um, we very much are aware that you're here and sorry for all the technical difficulties they were all my fault I put in the wrong video so um, it was me I, I just let everyone to know and um, we were talking this morning before church began about the logbook of wrongs that we have and so I need to write my name in the logbook for I did something wrong Anyway, let's read John 20. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the 12 was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. That's how I imagine they said it. Actually, I think there was a lot more kind of like, we've seen the Lord. But anyway, he said to them, good old Thomas said, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and my hand into his side, I will not believe A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it to my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Um, for those of you who don't know, um, I lost my thyroid a couple of years ago. Put it down somewhere. Don't know where I put it. Couldn't find it again. Joking. I had cancer. It got removed. Um, and um, one of the kind of side effects of having thyroid cancer and, and therefore not having a thyroid, there's not very many, I have to tell you. But one of the main ones is I am hyper aware of what the weather is doing because I get cold really easily and I get hot um, really easily. And and once I get hot or cold, I find it hard to come back to a normal temperature. It is an absolute nightmare. Um, And so I spend my entire time kind of looking up the weather app, seeing what it's going to do. And if I leave the house where all my lovely clothes are, am I wearing one, I'm always asking, am I wearing enough clothes? Am I wearing too too many clothes? Am I going to overheat? And I'm just absolutely fascinated by what's going on with the weather. Um, and, we, like, and I, I want to say that because I need to know what the weather's doing in order how to respond appropriately, right? We need to know what the season's doing in order to know how to respond appropriately. Thomas is stuck in a season that he doesn't need to be stuck in. Jesus has come back to life. He is risen from the grave, resurrection, life, and all that that means is on offer, But he's still living and responding to the world as if Jesus is in the ground. Um, The reason he's not there at Jesus' first appearance to the disciples, it's not specified. Um, But it's made clear by the fact that he's mentioned as one of the the twelve that he hadn't deserted the disciples. His doubts had not led him into disloyalty. Rather, probably what's gone on is that the depth of his grief and his inability to reconcile all that had happened... Stops him from joining the other disciples and stops him actually from receiving that peace from Jesus that that was on offer eight days before. A week, by the way, in Jewish time was complete, so it was eight days. Thomas should have been there, but by not missing, by not being there, he missed the joy on offer, the peace on offer. And actually, when you see how he responds in verse 25, you can see that he's got no peace at all. You know? All of his mates are just like, can you imagine that? Every single one of the other 12 is saying, I've seen Jesus, he is alive, and yet he has no peace within himself to accept the truth. That's massive, isn't it? He misses out on seeing the season change. I think Thomas gets an incredibly bad rap. He gets like kind of labeled as this doubter. We should should mention that all of the disciples doubted at some point, that uh, the women, um, as Ruth actually explained in the story, the women sees, uh, see him in the garden and they go back and tell the disciples and they don't believe. Um, so Thomas gets a bit of a bad rap. But um, that kind of picture of him being a doubter isn't a full picture of who he is. And actually he's mentioned by name four times within John and we're going to look at three of them this morning. And each time he's mentioned, it kind of builds a picture of why perhaps he struggled to believe and embrace the new season that had begun. So um, I'm going to kind of briefly paraphrase from John 14, um, where it's it's a picture of Thomas who is utterly in love with Jesus, but totally afraid of what will happen when Jesus leaves. So what's going on is Jesus is preparing them for what will happen when he leaves. Um, Note to self, Jesus always prepares you for the next season, It's just a really cool thing to note he always prepares you for the next season so he's preparing the disciples for what's to come he's saying in my father's house there are many many rooms I go there to prepare a place for you you know the way and at this point Thomas cannot contain himself he cannot contain himself because he's clearly thinking I've missed some meeting where you've told us where you're going and how to get there because I don't know And and, and what we see is he's like, he's utterly kind of panic-stricken. He's like, Jesus, I really don't. I don't know where you're going. And how, therefore, can I know the way? It's a fear response. He's utterly afraid. But what you notice, he doesn't deal with it. Because the same fear response comes back up later. That Jesus is gone and he panics and runs away or hides. He doesn't stay out with his community. So that when, you know, Jesus does die, he's still in that fierce state. He's still utterly grief-stricken. No matter what season you're in and what season you're heading into, Jesus will always prepare you for it. He always will. But you have to embrace the preparation. You have to prepare for it in the old season so that you can embrace it in the new season. If you want to see a good example of preparation in the old season or in the in-between season, look at the disciples in the upper room waiting for Holy Spirit to come. They just wait there and pray. They hold on to that last instruction, stay here and wait for, wait for my spirit. And they do. If you don't know how to prepare for the next season in the old, prayer is a really good place to start. The first lesson we can learn about embracing the season we're in is preparing in the old, preparing in the current season for what's coming next. I think the second lesson we can learn is that closeness to Jesus changes everything. Closeness to Jesus changes everything. In John 11, we see yet another picture of Thomas, one that is utterly in love with Jesus and will go to any length for him. What um, Jesus is doing in this bit, he's uh, telling the disciples that Lazarus is dead. He says, you know, Lazarus is dead, I need to go to him. And Thomas is the one that is mentioned of saying, let us also go that we may die with him. Not with Lazarus, but they know that Jesus going to Judea, it was a dangerous thing to do. And actually, it kind of meant certain death for Jesus. And Thomas, with all his bravery and his utter love for Jesus says let me go with you because i will die with you or go anywhere with you and i will die even if it means death i'm there with you it's absolutely paradoxical to the to the thomas we see later why because jesus isn't close anymore proximity to jesus changes everything it brings out the best of us closeness proximity to jesus In the presence of Jesus, Thomas is willing to die. Without Jesus, he won't even believe his friends around him. I want to put this massive caveat in here and say, no matter where you are in your journey with Jesus, no matter where you are in this season, whether you're embracing your current season, whether you're running from it, Jesus will always meet you where you are at. We see it so clearly in the way that Jesus treats Thomas. Thomas. Immediately after the peace be with you, the Lord at once addresses Thomas, showing the purpose of his appearance. It was a lot to do with Thomas. I love that Jesus turned up for the one. He does the same thing for one person. How incredible. For one person he will show up. For one. Jesus doesn't upbraid him. He doesn't find any fault with Thomas. He doesn't kind of like be like, oi, mate, what's going on? I apologise for my um, terrible version of the Bible, but this is how I read the Bible and this is how I hear it in my head. It's very rushed and, and I apologise for that. But he is like, he's like, he's like he, he, doesn't, he doesn't dress him down. He doesn't say anything say horrible, but actually he meets him where he is. And there's this incredible thing of, it's, a four, it's like Thomas mentions four things that he needs in order to believe and Jesus comes in and does every single one. Thomas doesn't actually ask for it. It's Jesus that instigates it. But it says that Jesus has heard and knows where Thomas is at and what he needs. Let's, um, I'm just going to quickly mention it. Thomas says, unless I see the nail marks in, in, in his hands, put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Jesus comes in just verses later saying, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it to my side. Stop doubting and believe. The words literally can be translated, stop being an unbeliever and become a believer. He halts him on his road of despair and offers him the evidence he needs to build his faith on. Jesus will always meet us where we're at and he will lead us into deeper relationship with him. And of course that's what happens for Thomas. It leads him into the deepest expression a Jew could make. My Lord, my God. Um, those words trip off our tongue, don't they? But for a Jew, those were massive. To call a man Lord and God when Jewish law was strictly monotheistic, meaning one God. So the deification of a man would be regarded as blasphemy, but Thomas sees and he believes. He, he says the strongest thing, I believe my Lord, my God. He eventually gets there. Eight days late, but he gets there. But I think he could have got there eight days earlier if he'd just not left his community. I think the third thing to recognise as we try and embrace the season we're in, understand what season we're in, and live from it, is that we need to stay in community because it matters. There is a reason that Jesus designed the church. It's because we need one another. When Jesus appears to the disciples, Thomas is absent, and after seeing him, they run to Thomas and tell him, "But he doesn't believe them. There's little question, actually, that Thomas's doubts would have just been alleviated just by being there. Just Just being there would have helped a little bit, maybe. It's not Jesus's intention that we follow him in isolation from one another. You know, one of the greatest sadnesses is that I meet so many people who believe in Jesus but cannot enter a church, cannot be part of a church for whatever reason. Either they think they can go it alone, maybe they've been hurt by church, but it's not how we were created to be. Over the last 12 months, one of the greatest lessons I've learned is that I need people. I need other people, not only just, you know like other humans need other humans, but actually I need people to help me on my faith journey. There have been things in this last season that I haven't been able to see for myself that I needed others trusted and close to point out for me. There have been lies that I've believed. There have been situations where I haven't been able to see clearly. We don't always like admitting we're wrong, do we? I'm actually quite famous in my family for not admitting that I'm wrong. Um, In fact, my little sister once said to me, I would just like one day to hear you say that you're wrong. I was like... Oh, when it happens, I'll let you know. But, <laughs> joking. Uh, but we hate it, don't we? We hate admitting that we're wrong, but we often, I hate to say this, are. And we need others around us to help us when, when our faith is a little askew, when our beliefs have kind of gone out of center. We need each other. We need each other to build us up when actually we maybe don't have the energy or the, the I don't know, the encouragement to continue. We need each other. We need each other. I have no doubt that Jesus had 12 disciples because he wanted them to be together and be a community that he knew when he left they would need each other. Friends, family, community will point out to us when we're not living out of the season we're meant to be in. I want to say the fourth, and this is my final lesson from how to... um, how, how, to know, how to live out the season is change your wardrobe. Just real simple. Change your wardrobe. Flip-flops make terrible sh- snowshoes. That's my advice to you, Wadsey. Flip-flops make terrible snowshoes, okay? Um, Wadsie has come out in inappropriate footwear today. So, uh... <laughs> But <laughs> when the season changes, so should your wardrobe. It's something we all do. Well, I didn't do this before moving to Fleet, but I understood that now in Fleet, I understand we have seasonal wardrobes, And there comes a time in the year where you put your jumpers away. And that's all you do. I don't have extra clothes to bring out. Anyway, season changes, wardrobe changes. Um, I think it's incredibly significant that when Jesus comes out of the grave, he leaves his grave clothes behind. I think it's incredibly significant that he doesn't walk around in his grave clothes. Because his grave clothes were for a different season, not the one he was in. The grave clothes remain in the grave. He doesn't walk around resurrected with his grave clothes still on. And when the season changes, so should your wardrobe. Let me say it like this. There's a guy called Augustine of Hippo. He lived a long time ago. Um, and actually, he was a, a real man of faith. He wrote an incredible commentary on John, actually. But um, one of the things he didn't believe was that healing still happened. Um, it was, he was like, it was for the apostles. It's not for us now. Um, and he was preaching one Easter Sunday as it happens and um, as he was preaching in the congregation there were two people who started violently shaking and get healed. In a moment he has a choice. Does he choose to recognise the season had changed? That actually a belief that he'd hung on to that healing doesn't happen was being very challenged in front of him. Would he embrace the new season? Change his wardrobe about? Put on a new belief? Or would he continue on? And actually he He invites these two people back he writes down their story and two years later he's seen 77 I think healings himself I might read about this guy in a book and the guy who wrote the book is called Phil Moore and he says this we live in an age like Augustine's we are so unused to fixing our eyes on the risen Jesus that we can doubt the promise of the Holy Spirit the power of the gospel, our continued need for miracles, our authority in prayer, our partnership with the Trinity, and that we are truly on the winning team at all. From time to time, God breaks in with Thomas moments when he grants us a glimpse of what the disciples saw and urges us to believe that Jesus is risen. Jesus is Yahweh. Jesus is the captain of the winning team. When we move from one season to the next, there will always be things to let go of. Ideas that we have to lay down. Identities that weren't ours in the first place. Maybe even people to forgive. But always embracing what God has for us in the next season. We have to change our wardrobe. We have to lay down all beliefs. We have to swap things out. And prepare for what God has for us in the next season. Perhaps we could say it like this. Um, Ephesians 4 says this in the Passion Translation. And he has taught you to let go of the lifestyle of the ancient man. The old self which was corrupted by sinful and deceitful desires that spring from delusions. Now it's time to be made new by every revelation that's been given to you. And to be transformed as you embrace the glorious Christ within. As your new life and live in union with him. For God has recreated you all over again in his perfect righteousness. And now you belong to him in the realm of true holiness. Be made new by every revelation. Change out your wardrobe. You know, the reason I wanted to talk on this this morning... Churches, because I really believe we either are in a new season or we are really very soon heading into a new season. I really believe it. And I just want to be sure that I'm living out of the new season and not of the old. I want to be certain of it because I really believe God has something special and something new for us as a church, as FBC. I'm so excited. I'm so proud of us, actually, of how far we've come. We've uh, we've had a tough old year, but the old has gone, and I believe the new has come. But I don't want to be like Thomas, waiting for the proof. I want to be there, ready to embrace it. I want to be like the woman at the grave, kind of on the on the first, you know, the, the first the first receiving line. I don't want to be, you know, further down. I want to be prepared. I want to be so close to Jesus that it's obvious. I want to be so in touch with our community that we're all on one page hearing it. And when the new season comes, I want to stay in it. I want to live out of those clothes, that wardrobe. I don't want to be dragged kicking and screaming. I want to be ready. And then I want to live from it. You know, Jesus died so that we could experience a resurrection life. Do you know what that means? Is that we can experience miracles day to day. We can experience renewing of our mind day to day. We can overcome because He's already overcome everything. Like sometimes that blows my mind. He's already overcome even death. That is what is on offer. And I want to live from that place. I want to respond from the season we're in, not from old past, not from old lies, not from anything like that. So why don't we pray? Um, I'm going to just invite you to stand in the room. Um, If you're at home, why don't you put down your cereal bowl or, I don't know, but just posture yourself and um, why don't we, I'm going to put my hands on my heart because this is how I like to pray, but whatever you want to do, Jesus, I want to thank you. I want to thank you that no matter where we are, you meet us where we're at. I want to thank you that no matter where we are, you will meet us where we're at. And first and foremost, Jesus, I want to be close to you. I want to be so close to you. I pray right now, you would make me aware of how close you are to me? Would you meet me where I am? And would you show me the season I am in? Holy Spirit, would you highlight to me lies that I have believed? Beliefs that have chained me? Old thought patterns that no longer belong to myself? Would you highlight them? Would you reveal them? And would you remove them in your holy and precious name? Would they be gone? And instead, would I embrace the new life you have for me? Would you make me new by every revelation that you've given me? And would I live from the season you've called me into? Would you inspire me to do new things? to see things happen. Change me from the inside out so that your glory may be revealed in all of us. For this is all for your glory, all for your name. Jesus, we thank you that you call us, you guide us and you never lead us your holy and precious name we pray amen